Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you people, I don't, I don't want to be bitching, but I looked at the forecast and for like the next 10 days, it's going to be 87. I mean, yeah, no, 77 is the lowest it's going to be. And now... And the lovely Joanne's mom just got back to Philly. She was uh, visiting, and it was 42, and it was raining, and she was pissed off because she came from this. But I just I need the weather to change because I'm having a Super Bowl party in a few weeks. I have a Super Bowl party every year, and Joanne makes these amazing meatballs. But if it's like 80 degrees, that means the apartment. I have to put the air conditioning on during Super Bowl, which just isn't right, and then no one's going to enjoy your meatballs, and she'll be all upset. So hopefully the weather will change because I have a ton of sweaters I got from Old Navy that when I was going back and forth last year and I have all these sweaters in my closet I think I've worn two so anyway enough about that we have a very uh, funny guy a, a very great actor and I'm going to try to get his name right Bob Clendenin oh nailed it See that? As, have, as promised now now you're from you grew up back east so you you grew up in Newark well in the Midwest well I, you know I was born in New York but Newark, but I uh, you know I only had a chance to spend six months there in okay. those formative years and then uh, and then went back east went to college back east uh, uh, I grew up in Australia though which yeah. was my parents moved there when I was about uh, eight was that for work? It was my, dad, my dad's work he okay. was it was supposed to be a temporary gig and then uh, they fell in love with it and, and stayed so I did all my high school and junior high uh, in Australia and then came back here to go to college. Now, what was that like? I mean, because first of all, I mean, it, you're in a different culture. I mean, I've heard it's beautiful, so it's probably great. But what was it like being an American? Did they, did they accept you? Oh, like- absolutely. And, and for a while, you know, as you may know from my work, I'm never really the cool kid. So this was nice to uh, a nice departure because I had the accent and, and America was really the place to be as far as an Australian was concerned. So, you know, they always wanted me to say something. They wanted to know about American football and, and stuff like that. So it was, they, and they're, they're great people and they're really embracing of you know, anybody that comes in. It's a very, very, you know, it's a wonderful country. I see now what my parents saw uh, and why they wanted to stay. Now, when you grew up there, because you, you went into this career of acting and people always, you know, grow up watching TV and stuff like that and they get influenced. Was it like, was Paul Ho- Paul Hogan like giant over there? He was huge, yeah. Him okay. and, he, had a t- he had a TV show. It was him and this, his little sidekick named Strop and they would do sort of sketch comedy stuff and, and, and musical numbers. It was, a, you know, kind of like those old uh, variety shows that were uh, here in the 80s, you know, so prevalent. Um, and so he was huge and then, um, you know, after I'd come back here was when he broke out internationally with Crocodile Dundee and stuff like that. Now, did you watch a lot? Did you know at a young age you wanted to get into acting, or when, did you watch a lot of TV? No, I mean I watched a lot of TV. And you know, my mother, when she's trying to figure out what she did wrong now in retrospect, she goes back and and thinks that when I was three, four, or five years old, I used to collect hats and I would wear hats and then adopt a character based on the hat. Okay. Um, but you know, I never really started acting legitimately until you know I, at college, just as a lark. I was an engineer in college, and I. I decided to do, you know, try to, uh, I auditioned for a play just sort of as a, you know, a form of getting away from the engineering because it was pretty intense uh, and really fell in love with it, fell in love with actors. Uh, they were so much cooler than engineers. Um, right. It's funny you say that because I've had a lot of comics on here who, like, have were engineers and they started doing where what they had the engineer job. I mean, I'm sure you went to get your master's, but they had the engineer job when they would start doing comedy. And oh, then right. they were sitting there going back and forth and they got to a point where the engine, the boss would say, you know what, you're a great employee, and they're all great employees, but he just said, just follow your dream and you always have the door open. But it's weird that it seems like a lot of, because everyone thinks engineers are usually so technical. And for, for so many comics, and like you as an actor, and I'm, you're not the only one, there's a bunch of them out there that it's just a very weird cross uh, range. Yeah, it is. And you know, you find the same with uh, 
musicians. You know, musicians are often really, really strong in math because there are a lot of the same sort of um, brain functions that happen, you know, with, you know, linear relationships and stuff that happen in chord structures. And so you find a lot of musicians who are, you know, are like really high who are also really good in math. Now, you went to high school in Australia. Mm -hmm. Now, when you made your college choices, now you went to Cornell. I did. Okay, which is, is Cornell Ivy League? Yeah. Yes, okay. So did you? Barely. Is it, no, I always think because it's like and there's Cornell and there's Columbia and there's always like one on the outskirts where you go is, yeah. Buck, is Bucknell I don't know if Bucknell, Bucknell's is. not brown it's is, not, yeah. Dartmouth is yeah. Cornell they say Cornell's the the easiest Ivy to get into but the hardest to stay in oh really okay you've got so, the highest suicide rate we know that oh really yeah that, that's did you know anyone in college who killed themselves? yeah well I didn't know anybody personally but I saw them fishing somebody out of the gorge wow yeah. so now you you're you're going to go to college. Now, how do you decide? You're, you're in Australia, which is beautiful, and you're going to Cornell, which is cold. Yeah. I mean, Cornell is located exactly where? It, it's in Ithaca, New York, which okay. is upstate New York on the Finger Lakes. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's super cold. It's really, really um, hilly. Uh, it's situated between these two gorges, these big chasms, which is one of the reasons I think the suicide rate is so high is because it's just, if, you, if you're you know, prone to depression and, and the cold and the, the, you know, the climate and the hills are going to cause it, plus the, the academic stress, you've got this really poetic way to, you know. Do the, do the final number. Right. And so that's all these three sort of make the perfect storm of, of you know, bad so what made you what made you apply there was it did you well, apply my, it, was, a lot of places, it was my or? it was my parents alma mater okay so, so i knew it and uh i'd visited it with my dad we did a college tour in the u.s you know u.s college tour and saw a bunch of schools um east coast and west coast and what were, really what were some it. of them uh went to yale okay i looked at yale looked at stanford um so you had really good you had really good test scores you were you did they have sats in yeah i took the sats what were your sats uh 1520 wow and that's how this i mean because i knew a guy with 1480 we he was like legendary so what what did did you, did you get 800 in either math or English, or was it split? Uh, 780 and 740, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. So so you basically got anywhere you wanted to go. Well, I but I also had like a, you know, a B average in high, because our high schools are really, really tough, and I had sort of some motivational problems, so... Uh, yeah, so my grades weren't great, but the SAT sort of compensated for it. I think the fact that I was a legacy uh, to the university helped. I did Cornell early admission because our school year in Australia was uh, goes February to December, so we were finished in December. You know, when they have these you know country or statewide tests that uh, dictate every you know every college entrance they don't go by you know the procedure that we do here so i was finished school in december i did this early admission so i knew like by november that i was i was into cornell um and then i just just sort of took six months off before i had to come back uh to the states so you go through cornell and then you you meet some actors at cornell yeah. And so then you go, okay, I'm done being an engineer. I'm going to go to, and did you do Penn oh. State? You went for your master's in, in acting? In acting. So that was, the, that, was the big, that was the big transition. So like I, I finished the engineering degree with my wonderful C minus average and two semesters of probation. I mean, it was really barely, it was like a, an agreement between me and the engineering school. They said, one of us needs to leave and it's probably going to be you. So I barely snuck out. Okay. Um, and then, but by then I was kind of bitten by the bug and went through these URTA auditions where you can audition for a ton of different grad programs, acting programs. Okay programs and uh and found penn state and they kind of came after me and i liked them and i liked what they sort of stood for and i liked state college so i went there as a three-year master's of fine arts uh in a, you know with an emphasis in acting and i think what's good about also the location is you're not too far from philadelphia you're not too far from new york i mean it, it's a ways but it's not like you're getting your 
you know, you're going to the Masters in the middle of, you know, down south. You're actually close to some big markets. Yeah, but it's also not, it's not like, um, you know, New York was always still really intimidating. I mean, I know the people at NYU or Juilliard and stuff, you're really right in the thick of stuff. And, you know, not to mention <coughs> the, the cost of living and stuff like that. I really like being sort of a little bit removed, like you say, like a little, it's a sweet college town. You're isolated, but you do, you have access to other places, but you're not, you're not stuck in the middle of it. You're not, uh, you know, immersed. You know, when you're 22, 23, you I already made a lot of bad decisions, right? You know, in a small college town, God knows what would have happened. <laughs> yeah, that's it. and you could go to Champs. Yeah, we, <laughs> we were talking Champs. off air, people. Yeah, exactly. There's a bar called Champs, and it was a, it was a great little bar. It, it, that was like off the campus. Was, you had to drive a little bit, which is weird. You did. I, I focused more my um, bad behavior in that little college town area where you could walk from all the different places. To See that that would have been great. Like my school was a small school near the Jersey Shore, and we had it on campus. But there's I mean, we were a small school, but your school is so big. It just must be crazy because it's always something going on. There's always something going on but also you know you're in this tiny really um sort of uh, intimate little program you know there's only other you know a couple other handful of half dozen other acting grad students that you're sort of always with and you know and you have the same four professors and so it's it's a very very small kind of nurturing little thing in in this huge environment so you know i didn't and then later on during my second and third year i taught undergraduate classes okay. as sort of part of my scholarship thing um but yeah you stay you're sort of isolated in in a big world now you graduate, and then you have your message. You want to act. So, right. what do you decide to do then? I mean, because it's got to be. I mean, a lot of people just move out, you know, and they sit there and there's like, boy, no pressure. Like they do it for a year and they out here, and you probably see, you know, people come out for a year, year to try to act and they go back. You already know you, you have your degree in engineering, right. which you don't want to do from an Ivy League school. Right. You have your school from Penn State. It's also a very good academic it's school, good, good very school, good yeah. reputation. So you have the degree, so you have to make something happen. Where do you decide to go? Uh, I wanted to, at first, you know, we'll leave the program thinking we're going to do regional theater or go to New York or something. I'm not a musical guy, so I figured regional theater is what I'm going to be doing. So um, first step is to get your equity card, which is the union, you know, the stage union membership. And uh, I go to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I, there used to be a comedy club called the Uptown uh, Comedy Club. And I remember there was a bar called the Chameleon. And I still kick myself to this day because the owner's like, you want to go see this band? We can, I'll get you guys in for free. And I'm like, nah, nah, nah I'm going to hang out. And it was the Pixies. And I could have seen the Pixies <laughs> in a small little place for free. Uh, and I'm still pissed at Kicking that. yourself. So you went to, wait, so you go so, to so I go to Lan- So I get, I, get, I get a job at the, at the Fulton Opera House in a touring production of The Nose. There's this short story about this guy who's a group wakes up and he's a nose right and it's going to be a touring production to junior highs and and elementary schools around pennsylvania and i'm playing the nose so i've got this huge foam <laughs> nose that my i mean it's it, i couldn't I, i'm I, it sounds like i'm doing a setup but it's i've got my face sticking out the thing and my arms stick out the side of the nose and i'm going and i'm we're touring around we've got like a eight-week tour of these different schools <laughs> And junior high kids, you know, I mean, they're just awful, right? So, so, uh, and so all, I'm so full of myself when I leave this grad program and I'm getting pegged down <laughs> daily as I'm wandering into these junior highs. I'm setting up, we're set, I mean, we're a one man touring thing with a van and the flats and our costume pieces and we're setting up and, and I can feel literally on stage the rubber bands and the staple and the and the paper clips that they're firing at me bouncing off the styrofoam of my costume i mean it's just it's really it was i could imagine because they're so mean and you just come in there like you know their kids are going 
fair season, man. We're just we're gonna rip this guy oh, we're, apart. We're gonna shred him. I mean, look <laughs> at this guy. And uh, and so I mean, it's great for me in retrospect because I really do need to get pegged down a little bit. But but the low point was we're loading out and it's, and it's horrible cold weather in Pennsylvania. I'm tr- I'm trudging this nose costume back to the van, and uh, and these couple teenagers, you know, thirteen year olds, are following me in the hallway and they're taunting me like, "Hey, you're a nose man. You, look at the big nose and that guy." And so I turn around. I'm like, "Yeah, well, why don't you blow me?" Which was a terrible, terrible thing to say to junior high kids. Funny though, a great comeback. Cause, I mean, so it was good material, but <laughs> I just—I mean—and then I just—I remember sitting in the van on the way on the two-hour drive back to Lancaster, just just like, what am I doing? This is just, I, you know. And so eventually, shortly after that, I realized I didn't maybe want to do regional theater. I wasn't cut. I wanted a home base, and it was either New York or L.A. And so that's kind of when I made the decision to come out to L.A. Now, had you been to L.A. before? I, you know, I, I visited once. I had a buddy from Cornell who is now here. Um, he was a, working at Paramount, or he was working at Disney at the time. <coughs> and uh, so I had one or two friends. I didn't know the city, but I knew I didn't want to be in New York. You know, it's really, it was a different focus than I thought I wanted in my career. And I'd had some encouragement, like, because, you, hey, you're kind of a little bit offbeat looking. You might find a good niche for yourself in the TV and film world. So I, I just sort of kind of rolled the dice and came out. Where did you first live at? Where was your first apartment? Do you remember? Uh, first apartment was in Van Nuys, um, right off of Ventura, okay. uh, Van Nuys, Sherman Oaks, right there. Like there was a big Ralph's there in a porn store. So yeah, there's porn stores there. You still see them here. That's like one of the places you like, yeah. there's a great little, uh, restaurant. There's a, a, I'm not vegetarian, but there's a vegetarian restaurant called Lenore's in North Hollywood. And when you're driving by, like you missed it. And I had to turn around in the parking lot and it's like, <laughs> it's got like, I missed it cause you, just, you can't see it. But the parking lot's like a peep show. And I'm like, yeah. I didn't even think they still had peep shows. And it's like a peep show, a barber and like a place that sells liquor. And it's like, I'm thinking people probably just go drink a 40 or a, a, a six pack. They go to get their haircut then they go to the peep show. It's basically, it's like the four basic food groups, right? It's like all you need. So you come out here and, and you're, you have the degree in acting. You, you know, you know, you have the chops cause you got into the school. Right. What do you do? How do you find an agent? I do, I do everything I'm supposed to do. You know, I do the, I send out the letters to agencies. I get the little directories at Sam French. Uh, I take a commercial class, uh, I try and get in a play, you know, I do so like, I think I do them, uh, I'm doing everything that they say you're supposed to do in the book, but it's flat. I mean, there's nothing for probably a year, two years. Um, it was pretty grim. And, uh, you know, I, I, so I just kept at it and eventually I got a little nibble. Um, I got this agent who wasn't even an LA agent. She was like down in between here in San Diego and Oceanside and she kind of ripped LA actors for the San Diego market. Okay. And that's how I got my SAG card i got to you know through one of those stu siegel productions down in um silk stockings uh, it was this was renegade but yeah okay, exactly with the lorenzo same. lamas it was i was in the pilot of renegade with uh, two lines as the prison guard yeah. but, but did, you, did you remember your lines uh yeah shut up hog back in your cell that's that so but that and, was, and i was that good at delivering it it was that it's as good as fresh <laughs> and good now as it was exactly. 25 years ago <laughs> but so that must have been a great feeling though because getting your side card must have just been awesome because you're like okay that's sort of a accomplishment right what you felt when- yeah it, it was i mean because that was sort of the the whole you know the golden ring you know there are all these little golden rings along your career where you're like oh if i get that then it's everything's good and then you get it and you're like oh crap there's more golden rings i gotta get and then but yeah that's, that was a big one the big hurdle because you either get in like through the that ta- weird taft hartley thing which is how i made it or you know doing extra work and getting vouchers and um so it's no matter how you do it it's kind of a long sort of seemingly never-ending process and really frustrating i think for a lot of people so you get you do the renegade, and I'm looking at your, uh, you know, the thing you're, you know, you played a, a security guard on Sybil. 
Correct. I've done a lot of security guards. Now that's funny because I'm looking at it, and now you you go from the Renegade, and then you're on the Nanny, and then mm-hmm. great. I see. I love reading IMDb <laughs> because it's like like you see the Nanny, it's the bum. Bum, right? You know, and right, now, right. now now in that though, you were credited as Robert, not Bob. Now how did is there another uh, Bob Clendenin? No, it, but you know when I when I went and joined SAG. They asked for your name, and my full name really is Robert Clendenin. Like on my passport, is Robert Clendenin. My driver's right. license, Robert. You know, so like I've just always been Robert Clendenin, even though nobody ever calls me that. So I put that down, and then sure enough, just every time I started to sign a contract, it just became that was what I was credited as. So in almost everything, I'm credited as Robert Clendenin, but. You know, nobody nobody calls me that. My mother calls me Bobby if she's <coughs> mad at me, but that's about it. Okay, so you're getting you're getting some work. I mean, I'm looking through. You know, you're starting to get small parts. You know, right. Lara Quet show and stuff like that, and Sybil, and you know, and then you go to you get. You know, it's funny though because you're across the board. Like you know, the nanny, then Renegade, and Lara Quet, and then I see you're an ER. Right. Because were you just going off for all different? Were you it, getting everything. Oh, no, I mean, I had a gr- I had a guy who was agreed to be my manager, who I'd had as an acting teacher at Cornell. It was like he was did a sort of a uh, a class, and he's um, a guy named Mitch Gossett one of the probably guys most instrumental in my careers um, and he came out here uh, as an actor but then he eventually fell into management and he took me on when I came out and uh, he was, he knew me he knew what I did um, and he just really pushed for me he was like one of those great guys who when you find they're an advocate and you feel like they're fi- finally somebody's really fighting for you and uh, so he was getting me in all these different rooms whether it was you know some of the dramas like Chicago Hope or ER or whatever and then the, the multi-camera comedy stuff um, which you know I had sort of a knack for, I think, and so we were kind of playing everything. You know, I mean, at that at that point, you'll, you whatever comes along, right? You know? I mean, it's everything. Just take what you can get, and and hopefully it'll lead to more stuff and bigger stuff. And now, were you going out for commercials too at the time? I, oh, I, yeah, I know you've done a lot of commercials. So yeah, just, absolutely. But back then, were you going out a lot for commercials? Were you booking any commercials? I was then? starting to. I was starting to book a couple of good ones. You know, I mean, small regional things, and then and then I got a, a Sprint commercial that was really big nationally, and um, I was like, oh, this is a good. You know, these these things are, can be really good to have, right? And they can pay for you know a couple of months of rent and and buy you you know some some breathing room when you're looking for your other jobs and stuff. So yeah, I was doing doing all of that together. Now, did you did you like the audition process? I mean, because it seems like you're going from a comedy to a commercial to a drama. So you have to really you really have to know what you're doing. I guess maybe the schooling helped you with that. I don't know if that it was... did. You know, it's a, it's just it's still there's still a big adjustment from the theater world from the stage actor. You know, the stage world because you know you go in with a finished product and you're showing them what I'm going to deliver when if you if you were to hire me in three days when we shoot I'm going to show you exactly what you're going to get on that day as opposed to the the theater world where it's a much more process oriented thing. You know, you show them a monologue or two and then you know that you're going to be in rehearsal for three to five weeks and you're going to build this character and grow and stuff like that so making that sort of adjustment was you know just an adjustment you have to make but it was not it didn't come as intuitively as I thought it would you know um, but yeah I mean I like the audition process those audition rooms though you know there's good and there's bad there's like the ones that where they where you walk in and you feel like oh they really want me to be good um, and you feel like uh, it's a supportive environment and then you go in one where it's just toxic and you feel like you already hate me and you're mad at me and I just walked in and I don't know you know why are you setting up this vibe where you're going to get the worst possible performance right. from your from the people you wanted to to do a job for you, you know. Now you're you're working, and now you get a recurring on the practice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so now you've then I see the Murphy Brown hanging with Mr. Cooper. Well, you did L.A. Confidential, which yeah. that must have been pretty crazy because that's like that's that's an Oscar. I mean, the bottom line is you know you do those. Every, it's any job you get is great. Like you did ER, it was but ER was 
once again a great TV show, you right. know, and um, but then you get L.A. Confidential, which is you know was Oscar nominated. So was that a little intimidating to you, or because you're going into like okay, there's Russell Crowe, there's Guy Pierce, there's uh, I forget the director Hoglund, no, uh, Curtis Hanson. Okay, that Brian Hoglund wrote it. Yeah, but um, so what is that like? You get this it, part. It must have been. Was it? It's great. intimidating because I know it's a I know it's a, a a great film. It's you know had a great casting director. I know, but um, this is also before Russell Crowe was Russell Crowe, okay. before Guy Pearce was Guy Pearce. You know, it's like the, a lot of these guys were real fresh finds um, at the time, and so nobody knew how huge this cast was. Kim Basinger was really the one, okay, the the star power in the in the film. Um, but the script was amazing, and and Curtis, you know, what I knew of him, I loved, and and he couldn't have been a more wonderful, sweet, you know. Know, kind of the nurturing kind of director everybody likes to work with. Um, I mean, I had a small role. I was only there for probably a week or you know ten days or something, um, and sort of a devicey kind of role. Um, I was the reporter. I had to ask a bunch of questions and move the sort of plot forward and stuff like that. Um, but it was a, it was a great experience. I mean, I had no idea at the time how great that, and I've watched it you know five times since. And what I love about the movie, I have to watch it now because you're in. I have the DVD. Uh, the DVD. Right. But what I loved about the DVD was one of the special features was they went through like old Hollywood like they said where this took place and that was really cool because you know if, if when you're out here you don't know like some people don't know how the Formosa used to be just like this legendary like right. everyone hung out there or Trader Vic's you know mm-hmm. or Frank and Dantana's right. Dantana's yeah sure. so it's pretty cool so you're doing that so now the practice how does the practice come along did they recognize you from something or did your agent say I got this role for you and did you come in as a recurring because you're on a few episodes that you know that way it was David that was the first David Kelly show I'd done because I did, ended up doing a couple shows with him okay. after that and um yeah, this was a recurring thing. He had another a plot line where a bunch of people were had all felt they got cancer from power lines, and were, it was a class action suit. And um, so we were hired for three or four episodes, and um, it was one, I it, it was one of the first times I felt like I was really more part of the cast. Like a lot of times when you go in the shows, you, you know, you're there for a couple one or two days, but you don't really know any of the crew. You don't know. Right. The, the regulars, I mean, you're treated nicely and everybody's respectful and stuff, but you don't really feel like you're part of the process. This was the first time I think I felt like, oh, I'm actually part of creating this thing, especially because we, you know, we had the f- three or four episodes. It was an arc. They were going to follow our storyline. Um, and so it was really, it was a really cool feeling as you start to suddenly feel, oh, I'm actually kind of acting here. Now you must, I mean, this is, we're looking at 1998 and you must be, I mean, you have to be a little proud of yourself because I mean, you worked on ER, which was a big show, LA Confidential, Mm -hmm. Murphy Brown, which, you know, and the practice with David E. Kelly. I mean, right there, I mean, you've, you have a lot more in your career than a lot of people have. I mean, did you, I mean, it's the same thing you want in another ring or as you called it. uh, Yeah, little gold rings. Did you, did you, were you feeling good about yourself? Oh, I was feeling great. I really, but I was also knowing how lucky I was getting um, and how appreciative I needed to be like, I. I'm still uh, sort of amazed that actors, when they um, you know start to display sort of the, the entitled attitude or, or or start to get a little uppity, like we forget how incredibly fortunate we are to be doing this job. And if you're working enough to be paying your bills and stuff, and working with these fun people, and I mean it's really it's an amazingly um, fortunate position to be in. I don't think I ever lost sight of that that could be taken away at any time and really appreciating, you know, what was happening to me. Well, I think, I think that's a true, it's like, I think a lot of, as we talked earlier uh, off air about a lot of actors who constantly work and, you know, and you've been in a ton of stuff um, and commercials too. And, you know, then you do voiceovers, we'll get into that. But I think a lot of actors at that point, they're just like you said. They're just happy. It's like you know. There's no yeah. reason to be a dick. It's it's <laughs> like when you, I mean. There's no. It's like God. 
I'm, everyone comes out here, and and yeah, and it's as I said, it's it's the actors who have done a lot of work yeah. that are the nicest. It's it's not the it's always like the young ones. Who, I mean, I hate right. to say no, it, I, I think you're right. And I think I think also a lot of times it is if they are younger and they get some fame. You know, you think, okay, how would I act when I was 23 or 24? I'd probably be a dick. You know, you don't yeah, think yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. So, so, okay, so, but you're acting, you're acting. But, you, what, okay. Well, you know what, but what's also interesting, I think there's starting to be a little bit of a transition. I think that, you know, for a long time, maybe I'm just being like turning into the old guy who's like the get off don't my you hate that? Vibe. I'm like that too. Uh, but, like, you know, but like, it seems that at one point it was about the work, you know, people were excited about doing work that, that mattered. And now we're getting into an area, especially with social media, where self-promotion is, ta- is sort of eclipsing the work itself so it's more you have people who are inventing themselves and reinventing themselves and but you kind of go well what did you what do you what do you do see I I agree with that too because I see a lot on Facebook I see that with some comics and like this one lady it's like she's posts you know puts oh you know I'm I'm the winner winner of the battle of the comics you know a hundred comics well yeah but none of them were like true headliners because a headliner would never enter a contest because you would be like what the hell's wrong with you you know right. you headline comedy clubs people come to see you right. and it's true they invent themselves and they they put like a, a kit together and you read this kit and it's like what the hell it's like for me when people say write something about you I host Cooper Talk I've been in a That's crappy you know. yeah, movie you, I did that you know I, I do stand up <laughs> but you're right it's with social media now it's like someone could have no credits but they're always even if, like if you had a background you can say I was on the show and people don't check it right. but because because there's so many people doing it but you're right it's not about the work as much I no I mean you you have notoriety because you have 100,000 Twitter followers but but it's like well what, what does that mean what do we right. do, what do we do with that I guess I guess you you can reach then a hundred thousand people with your tweets, but it doesn't really it doesn't translate to what it what do you create what do you do what do you you know what I mean? It's true. I mean, it's true. And I mean, and even you know, with the reality TV shows now, it's like oh. you know, and someone who you is a is a working actor has worked for a long time is does all aspects, you know, and you're known people you because you look familiar. You've been in a lot of stuff, but then you must. I mean, for I mean, I'm thinking for you and not you personally, but for a person like you, it must sit there and go, wait a second. I've been busting my ass. I'm on all these shows. <laughs> and then someone who's on Big Brother right. is going out and doing personal appearances and getting paid a shitload of money. Yeah. And not just about the money, but it's just like, you got to sit there and go, what is wrong what is with society? It's I like, know. you are on Big Brother. You stay in a house right. for t- whatever, how many days? Right. You have no talent. Right. You're, most of them are jerks. Or, or even, I'd say even, you know, at least that's sort of a competition. Like even where you got, you got the, the shows where Really, your only claim to fame is that you're you on a weekly basis rip somebody's weave out. You know that's right. your that's what you do. You misbehave and allow us to see you uh, being as big a jerk as possible, and that's your notoriety. That's it. That, I mean, that's just astounding. It's changed, yeah. I, I watch, and they're always the ones on TMZ because I look at TMZ. Oh, always, I yeah. look at TMZ sometimes on the site because that big mm-hmm. Bieber, the Bieber thing. Because I want, right, sure. I want yeah, him. Egging, to, he's a jerk. Right. I mean, twenty thousand dollars of diamonds with eggs. I'm like, God, we egg people in high school. It's maybe ten dollars, yeah. but it things. But they also didn't send 10 squad cars to exactly your house i know but no that's the thing is like so i'll check tmz but sometimes you sit there and i go who are these people and it's like rappers are on there all the time and i'm like i mean i know old school rap you know i yeah. know music very well but i'm like i've never heard of like dj wheezy wheeze and the you know i'm like what the hell is this it's just crazy how it's changing and you're sitting there going and it, it's once again it's the people you never hear you never hear crap about George Clooney. You right. never hear crap right. about any of these people. You know Michael J. Fox. You never hear no. crap about him. You know even no, I know you, you're in Cougar Town. Right. You never you never hear crap about Courtney Cox. Even when she was going through the divorce, you never heard him go, no. "She's a jerk." But then it's like it's just amazing, right? It's like people don't want to hear about good people. Right. Right. 
it's weird. I mean, and, and you wonder what's the next step? How far can we take this? Because we're, now we're getting bored of people just throwing drinks in each other's faces. What what has to happen next? Some, somebody's got to shank somebody yeah. uh, on screen for us now to go. Oh, this is our new water cooler moment. You know? You're right. It's true. You know, you know, it's like yeah. It's like wait a second. Where are we taking it? So you'd never think that an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie would be, um, you know, uh, prescient would actually give us a, a premonition. But like Running Man, that was essentially the plot of it. Like when a game show has gone so far oh, as yeah. to the point that we our, our our appetite for you know feeding on the the worst elements and now we gotta we gotta chase somebody down in the forest and kill them you know on screen or the hunger games you know i mean yeah. that's where that's kind of it's the direction we're hitting i mean you know? it even goes back to when rollerball i mean yeah, rollerball, rollerball, rollerball. james con back great in the day example, yeah and yeah it, it's true i think it's changed i mean look at you know look and if you think about it i don't follow i mean i grew up watching great boxing with you know ali we're about the same age so ali right. and all that yeah. and I don't watch MMA. I have friends who are MMA. I have a friend who's an MMA fighter. But that's sort of the same thing where it's like boxing was technical. MMA, here's go in the ring for three minutes, and they beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. And it's still sort of that, that same thing. It's still a sport, and those guys are amazing athletes. But it's still the same thing. It's like, okay, you're choking someone until they have to give up or yeah, they pass yeah. out. What is going to be next? Right, right. MMA, for, like, for those boxing fans for whom boxing is just, it just takes too long. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So we're looking through your resume. <clears throat> now you, you get, ended up in Carolina in the city, right? Once again, now so you're you're getting a now that's a sitcom where you get a recurring, again. right? And that's and that's sort of similar to the practice. Like I start to feel like oh, I'm part part of this family here. You know, you start to know the crew members. You start to be you know friendly with the director and the producers and stuff and they start to trust you a little bit more trust your instincts uh, know that they can throw you a kind of a, a, an alternate line stuff like that and so you start to feel a lot bit, a lot more um like you're part of the part of the creative process and i i actually really love being on that show again i was another weird mailman security guy um now what's it like for you when when they end i mean it's going to be because the people like you know they're, you're there for you know it's not going to be long term but right. you sit there you go in and you're getting this role, and you're getting along with the staff. Was Kathy Labin on it when you were there? No. Okay. You're getting along with the, the, the crew and all that. Is it? Does it make you a little sad when you leave? Because you're like, I'm having fun. And even though you're like, I, going into it, you know it's only going to be this long. Yeah. Do you, do you feel a little bit of sadness because you're like, man, I just this was cool. You do, although with a lot of those recurring, there's always the glimmer of hope that you can return. You know, they're like, oh, we'd love to have you back. You know, the writers might at the end of the season come up with another story where your character comes back. So that's that's um, less um uh, upsetting than some of the shows I've been on where I'm actually a regular and you are on it from the beginning and then you know the show has not gotten picked up right and you've got a you're putting it to bed and they're tearing down the flats and it's like we're everything's getting junked that that to me is much more emotional it's like when a play ends and you like this show is never going to happen again that's to me more of a um, more of a blow than when it's just a you know a guest spot or something or a recurring thing with it you may or may not come back you know next season or the, I mean like Scrubs I was on I came back I, I was on you know one or, one or two episodes all, practically every season so that was just an ongoing thing it was always just fun for me to go back to and the they hospital. probably were glad when they said because I know like when I used to do stand up you go on the road and you would see someone for like Two years, and when you worked a weekend with them, and you're you're like, oh, and it was just like you never skipped a beat. That's that's the thing I think about our business is that you you form these really really tight friendships that are very very temporary. You know, you see, if you, you can become best friends with a guy, like you said, you know, on tour or something or in a show, and then you say goodbye, you don't see him for a year and a half, you sit and you pick up exactly where you left off. And I think that artists get sort of used to having those kinds of really in, uh, uh, strong and intense 
um, friendships and relationships that then just disappear and then they come back and disappear. So, you know, nobody, we don't, I, and I'm a terrible correspondent. I'm not good at keeping up with it's, people. And it's and so much easier now with email, but still <coughs> the same thing. It's yeah. the same. And they, you know, that's what I love. One thing about Facebook is because people from high school and college, because I'm out here, you know, and yeah. I can, I have kept in touch with them, but it's true. You sit there and you're like, what do you write? Yeah. I haven't seen you for, uh, you know, cause I went to my high school reunion, my 30 year reunion. And it's like, yeah, you know, Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you don't, after that, you don't get back in touch with right, each other. Right, right, right. You saw each other. Yeah, I'll see you at the 40 year reunion. How was that? Was that, was that depressing or was no, that sort of exciting? Or? Actually, what was cool about my 30 year reunion was I never went to the 20 and I never really was, I was, I never really went back East after I was out here, except because my parents moved to Delaware and, you know, but I went back and it wasn't one of those reunions like you always see classmates and they charge you all this money. It wasn't like that. Our president of our school got together and thank God for Facebook, a president of our graduating class and said, we're going to do a reunion. So we got emails or the, someone started a group on Facebook right? and it was whatever it was like, it was appetizers and beer and wine. And I mean, my graduating class was over 800 people. But it was great because there were like 135 people showed up and everyone, I came from a very Jewish town and I was like, as I say, I was like the minority because uh-huh. I, was, I was a Presbyterian. Right. And well, it's good to have you around though because- Yeah, you know. exactly. You know, the, the Jewish girls can sleep with you before they marry a Jewish guy. <laughs> right. So we were practice. But uh, no, it was cool because everyone, everyone's done pretty well for themselves. And it was cool because everyone looked good. I mean, in all given, the people who didn't look good, didn't look good in high school. You know, it's like we've right. all changed. Yeah. Like I'm bald now. I had, I had like Parker Stevenson hair in high school, nice. but it, it was it was fun, and it, it was sitting there, and you, and because you're all set in your life. It's not like a ten year reunion when people are still acting like they're in high school. But you have a reunion coming up. Uh, no, at 30, 30 I've already had, so okay. and no, I didn't go. Well, it was in Australia. It was in Australia. So, yes. and they don't do reunions the way they don't do proms or reunions. So I missed out on all that. So no, because it'd be weird. Because people, I mean, if you went, especially if you went to high school here, yeah. you'd be that Hollywood guy because you're in so much stuff, and people would be like, "Hey, have you ever gotten people call you from the past that were like sort of jerks to you?" And say, oh yeah, and so hey, they, hey, hey, yeah, I saw you on this. I mean, how? What? Tell me a story like about that. Uh, well, you know, I'll get, I'll, sometimes I'll get a Facebook request from somebody in, who I knew in high school who or barely knew or who I hated. And suddenly, you know, and it's like it never happened. And and I, for me, I don't. It never happened. I'm I'm certainly not going to hold a grudge, right? But it's just um, funny when people do that's that. That's funny, you know. So now you're, you know, you, I see as you go through your resume, you're in a lot of TV shows, but then you, you end up in Dude, Where's My Car? Oh, and actually, classic. I watched I watched your uh, your real oh, my on real your website, which is yeah. a great website. Give the Thank website you. address. Uh, it's uh, just www.robertclendenon.com. Spell that. R O B E R T C L E N D E N I N dot com. And you have a great, and you have some commercial clips, and then the, yeah, the yeah, real. Yeah. So now it's such a cult classic, dude. Where's my car? That's amazing. I mean, you did you when you shot it? Did you think it would become like this crazy ass thing? No, and it got kind of watered down. Like when it was first written, the script was it was going to be an R rated script. It was really going to be like Chicha Chong's Up in Smoke. I mean, it was a, it was a big going to be a big stone you know um, broad comedy and I think somewhere along the way they realized oh we, we're going to shift gears a little bit and, and go for that PG-13 so a lot of the stuff kind of got watered down and taken out I mean there's still is, I think some really good bits in it um, but it's not quite what it, it was originally when it when it started but yeah I mean it had we, just a weird parade of um, stars in it and Hal I was part of that that Hal Sparks sort of group the bubble suit uh, alien guys right. um and I knew Ashton Kutcher because I'd already done uh, that 70s show. 
Um, so he was he was big, and um, who was the other guy? Um, Stiff, the guy who played Stiff, yeah, Stiff Sean Sorg, William uh, Scott. Yeah, exactly, right, right. right. Um, but I mean, it was just a ball. We were shooting for six weeks, and it was just crazy, ridiculous, sort of goofy stuff. Like we, you you, st- you sit back and you go, "Wow, man, I'm th- I'm 35, and look what I'm what am, what am right. I doing?" But now that must have been where you must have. Uh, now before that, would you get recognized at all from your shows? Or because well, I a think- little bit from 70s show because 70s show had a really strong following. Um, but I was getting more like, I do I kind of know you like like the especially some of the commercials they stick in people's heads. And right, they commercials go, are always the, the one you sit there and go. I know that. Guy. I know and that guy he, from somewhere. Does he? Do I go to school with him? Do you know what? It, does he owe me money? What's the deal? And and then you know somebody and we start a conversation and figure out what what it was. And maybe now, I didn't know the money. Did people start recognizing you after Dude Where's My Car? Because there was probably so many little stoners that That's the knew thing. who you were. But it's like a weird. It's like the kind of crowd you sort of don't want to know who because it's sort of weird. Like when these seventeen and eighteen year olds come up to. And they're the ones who were chasing down the hall, calling you a nose. That's exactly then, right. Although the great thing about having being really big in the stoner community is that their short-term memory really is just <laughs> jacked. So, you know, they they know you at the time, but then they forget in the morning. So you have to, after that, you're, you're working now. I see. I mean, I said your your career is, is, is the shows. It's like the '80s shows, and then it's mid NYPD Blue. And it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's just so funny, and that just shows your range as an actor. Now, through all this time when you're auditioning for stuff, are you still going out for commercials? Oh yeah, I'm, and I'm still doing it now. Like, uh, I mean, I, I've been, I have to take sort of a little break because some of the shows I've been on have been really. Um, I haven't been able to. My schedule hasn't allowed to do commercials, right. but yeah, I'll still do. I'll still do commercials. I did one. You know, I did that milk commercial not too long ago, and. Um, you know, me in a bikini. I hope you saw it. I don't know if you saw it. It's I think gorgeous. I saw it. But I, I know. I I still remember the one uh, where you're driving with the dog. Oh, the dog one. That's a good one. Because I was Falcon sitting there as I said, you're in there. Yeah. But so, how many commercials would you say you've done? I mean, I've done over a hundred. I probably somewhere between hundred and two hundred. I think. Now, still, now, do you will you still do a regional, or you only do national now? No, I probably would. It would probably there would have to be another reason to do the regional either. Money wise, or something that I just thought it was. I mean, if it's a super creative spot, like I don't care, but I wouldn't just do it for the the day, you know. Right. Check. Uh, probably not. So you're working through, and now, you're, and then now, Good Morning Miami, which was actually yeah. it was you know that was my, me and my girlfriend were talking about that because <coughs> I said I always saved the guest. She goes, "Who's on?" And I go, "And you know," and I got a resume. She was like, "That was such a good show," and it was. And Mark uh, Fuhrberg, who's yeah. now in um, uh, Fuhrstein, Fuhrstein, who's yeah. in. Uh, I always call it the wrong the place. Miami thing, or yeah, the, uh, the Long Island one, uh, right, Haskell, right. whatever. Uh, now that was—I mean—that was a pretty hip, cool show. Well, it was also—it was the same guys that did Will and Grace. It was Max uh, Muchnick and David Cohan, who had you know just a string of huge shows and still continue to produce great shows. Um, they did Will and Grace, and they did Good Morning Miami, Partners, stuff like that. Um, and so they—they they always had a good writing staff, and I thought the material was really good. And it just never really, uh, you know grabbed its audience but it ran for I think three years three four years now how many times you ran that just every once in a while uh, no I did about 10 or 12 of those but by the, by the but the last three or four I'd done was after they canceled the show so they never aired so I probably in or about I'm in about seven or eight that aired that's just cool though because you know it, you look back and it, it's you've been in so much work I mean it's like even and I'm looking as I, I see I was looking at good IMDB it's, just, it's bad when you have a guest who's like 14 things you're like oh yeah. <laughs> what do but we no, do but I know but I mean it's like even like you know and the thing is where you, you're you jumping back and forth like then you're in CSI yeah. for an episode and then you go back to a comedy and then you're yeah. in uh, I don't remember Rodney now that was with Rodney was that Rodney Carrington Rodney Carrington right okay now, now you're a plumber 
Yeah, I'm Plumber Dave, right. I can't, again, that was one where I came in for one episode, and uh, and they kind of liked me, and they were nice. And the great thing about those, especially those comedies, is when they find a character that they think, they think fits them with their little world, um, you know, they're breaking a story that will shoot in three weeks That's uh, that they can bring you, your character back for. So, like, it started, same with Caroline in the City. That was supposed to be one episode, and it turned into, you know, five or six, and, and Rodney, same deal. So, you know, it's sort of a, a lesson in... You know, be professional. Do you know deliver and stuff, but also realize that this could be an ongoing thing if you if you play your cards right. When that happens, so you get done that first episode. Yeah. Do you usually do you have, do you have an inkling, a feeling that you're they're going to call you back, or is it just something out of the blue and you go, "Wow, bonus"? No, it's more like "Wow, bonus," um, because they always say we'd love to have you back, even when they really have no desire right. to have you back. So what they say is not. Um, nothing you can you can rely on and you don't you don't really know what's what's in the writer's heads but um but i've had more wow bonuses than you know than i think uh i I feel very fortunate how many of those i've had it's cool now twins were you the lead in that no 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 no. that was um sarah um because i know michelle uh, sarah gilbert was in it sarah gilbert Sir Gilbert and she had a blonde twin and they were fraternal twins but they couldn't have been you know she was the brainy one and the blonde one was the kind of ditzy one and then they had um, their two parents Melanie Griffith and uh, Paul oh, shoot now I'm forgetting his name Paul Fitzgerald no the curly haired he was um, he was in bosom I think bosom buddies Peter Scolari I don't know. What, sorry, uh, I'd have to. I have to. Yeah, I'd have to click it. Um, but so anyway, so they're the family, and it's a, they work in a fashion design house and stuff. And so I just was one of the workers in the in the one of the weird guys that worked in the in their office space. Now, when you when you, do do people who see you think you're weird just because you play like in Scrubs? <laughs> I mean, you're just weird. this pervert. And, yeah. and in in uh, was it Ugly Betty? You play the yeah the fashion, weird yeah. fashion guy. So yeah. do people come up to you sometimes? and think because I, I know some people can't make a differential between acting and you know real life do people sometimes sit there and go like if you let's say you're out having a drink somewhere <laughs> right. someone like uh, I don't, don't want to sit next to that guy he's too weird does that ever happen to you <laughs> only if they don't recognize me from TV because I just look weird you know it's like <laughs> I wouldn't want to sit next to me either <laughs> So but, so, but people now you get more recognized now. I'm sure. I do. Yeah. yeah now, yeah. now, what is that like? What, is there are people usually nice? Because oh, there couldn't be nicer. Yeah. Like, what's one of the, a, a really like a perk you've gotten from being someone recognizing you? Like free tickets anywhere, or uh, drinks, or dinner. I, I've noticed. Uh, I got upgraded a couple uh, Vegas hotels. So what did they, did they just say? We know you. We're putting. Yeah, she said like, yeah, you know, I love you in Cougar Town, and we have we have a suite available. And okay. Stuff like that. I mean, it's really really nice stuff. You know, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's and great. I also love people will come up and just want to you know either chat or get a picture or something like that and to me I love that you know I know that there's some people who just they, they hate it and uh, but I, to me it, it's, it's such a, a nice reward and usually people are very respectful and, and don't want to you know take up too much of your time but you know want to have a little a little interaction and, and I, I think that's fabulous and I think that's a, it's a great thing well, I think I think that's what it comes down to is if people are respectful I yeah. think you know it's a matter of and I'm one of those people that we do oh, if I get an email if someone likes my show I respond I get an email one time someone's like well, you know, it's, it's Indie 100, but you uh, never play music. You, you know, you it seems like you and your guests just talk about your guests. And I go, yeah, because it's called Cooper Talk. But I responded being nicely saying it's called right. Cooper Talk. But it's thing, I think I'm one of those people that thinks that is part of the, you, you should the gig. That's part of the gig. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and if you're eating dinner and someone's like, hey, hey, then it's like, no, you yeah. know, don't bother them, you know. But it's like, if you're on a date, you know, right. don't, oh, you know, if you're anywhere, if you're, you know, 
shopping and you're you know you look like you're in a rush but i think that's that's good that you do that because people people you know we don't think about it because we're so around the business but you know people a lot of people get starstruck when they see someone on tv and then they see them it's like oh my god and that's that's the one thing and people come out here and visit and that's one of the reasons to come see people the medium yeah and also but i also remember that i'm in a in a much lower category you know i'm uh right you know i I don't think anybody knows me by name. They recognize my face from something. I might be in a show that they like, and they'll come up and they'll have a small interaction. But like the times that I've been out with people who were big, you know, if, if we go out, uh, like sometimes we would go out to, with the Cougar Town cast, and Courtney'd be with us. It's a different that kind of because they're like rock stars. Very different. They're rock stars, and you know, and so. It, a, it's insistent. Um, it doesn't let up, and it's just—it's really intrusive. And I and I get why she sort of shies away from that as much as she can. It's—it's it's not. Yeah, and I mean, it goes I, into a not pleasant. Well, you, area. you think about her though. I mean, you know, I mean, she was—you know—people still know her as the Springsteen girl. I mean, everyone knew yeah. her from the Springsteen video, and sure. then Friends was just—I mean, you know. <laughs> When when you're around it and you watch it, you don't think how big Friends Friends was giant. Oh, like, I don't I, don't, I watched it, was it occasionally, but it was, show, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. that sign. Yeah, and then and she's always even Dirt was a good show. People you know sit there and Cougar Town has its uh, niche audience and it's a very yeah. funny show and yeah. and it's probably a lot of boozers bother because they're always yeah. drinking the wine. <laughs> exactly. But no, no, but that, that happened. <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> when you were in Scrubs, because Scrubs is on for a long time. So long did, time. did now did people recognizing like the Zach Braff and those guys must have gone through a lot of stuff too. They go through the same t- I mean I think he's he's a little bit more extroverted than uh, Courtney is you know so but I think st- he can't go really out in public unless you know he's just okay with being mobbed that night. I mean it's just going to be non-stop. Um, but yeah I, so I'm the level where I'm at I actually love this little sort of where it's just enough to sort of stroke my ego and make me feel good about myself, right. but not so much that it interferes with my life or my kids or my family or, you know, what I want to do as a normal, you know, average person. Right. Now, 10 items or less. It shows now, now that was on for three years? Yeah, that was the TBS, the improvised comedy. Now, yeah. was that your first time doing an improvised type show? Yeah. Okay, now was that scary for you? Because you have such a, you have such a, Stay, you know your ma- you know your masters right, in right, acting right. and you know theater and TV. It's everything scripted. What was that like for you? And why did they come to you? If, if did they know you? Did I, they think you could do improv? I th- I don't know what they knew. I don't know what you know. I um I have no idea. It was just a it was an audition that came through my agent like the normal process. I'd had a, a fair amount of um improvisational you know experiences from college and um, but I I hadn't done like Second City or Groundlings out here so it had been a while since I'd done anything I was a little bit rusty um, but then in the audition process you know that's what they that's what they were looking at is what people could bring and it, this is when you have an improvised show like that it's not so much um, along the lines of the uh you know the second city kind of Im- improvising where right. you've got an audience and and you're really looking at sort of um it's that immediate there's the audience is right there and you're like give me a situation what about you know now i'm a dentist now i'm on mars um this is maintaining a character but through a non-scripted you know process um i love it i really eat it up and we're about to do this another show a west why i look like a 70s pimp right now is because we're going to do a western with the same group of people uh for hulu called quick draw okay um, which we can talk about later if you want. Um, but it's the same group of people. It's the same process. It's like, so they'll beat out a story, you know, a three-page treatment of a story, what's going to happen in this episode, sort of the A and the B and maybe the C plot, but they'll write no dialogue. And so that that's what happens on on the day with three cameras. And we'll just sort of start 
winging it and see what it, see what comes out and eventually the sort of the scene will take shape we'll do it again we'll keep the good stuff that worked and sort of move past the stuff that that flatlined uh and eventually a scene will sort of take shape and they've got it covered from three different angles and then we move on to another scene and and they'll tell us what plot points we need to to get out in that part uh what we know going in and then we'll sort of wing it again and so i love the process i mean it's a little bit terrifying and some of the people who've come in to sort of guest with it um it's it can be a little because you, you, your first instinct is i gotta make people laugh immediately right but you don't the most important thing is to be true to who this character is that you're playing and just live in the moment and just be really receptive to if something comes at you that you weren't expecting just rolling with it naturally trying not to break trying not to get flustered um and just playing it you know real and honestly and they'll find the comedy you know after that and I guess you really need to trust the people you're working with because totally, it's, it's it's a team effort. There's no because if someone is, it is and there's nothing more painful. You I'm sure you know this. There's nothing more painful than working with like a a bad or a selfish improviser. I mean, it's just like it's no longer a teamwork. It becomes a competition. It becomes a sort of you know. And I have it especially in commercial auditions where you go in with somebody and they'll say, "Well, you guys start riffing," and you'll have the guy thinking, you know, that his thought process is, "Oh, if I don't shut up, they'll pay more attention to me." Like if I don't give a but. The, the truth is exactly the opposite, man. I can stand behind that guy and just and just react honestly, and that pulls the focus, and the viewer is suddenly watching the guy who's not saying anything. Right, and that's, true. that's also how I've learned for interviewing, because I sit there and I go, you know, let the person talk. I'll say stuff, but the thing, once again, is, you know, it's, you have to let the other, to have a good product, you has to be a two-way street, and if I'm sitting there interrupting you, okay, yeah, 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 you're going to be a first of all, you're going to be like, right. Cooper's an ass. And you know? don't you but, see it all the time, you see it on on, on TV shows too, where, where the interviewer, it's more like, uh, it's it's about them, and not about their subject. And, right, and, and, and it's true, it's not, it's the way it should be. So now you're also, you were in The Closer, uh-huh. which uh, is, uh, one of my girlfriends loved that show, now, now you're back into the drama. Right. So, so I mean, you're like a man of many hats. Now, now how long are we going to close it for? Although, uh, I did maybe four or five episodes of Closer. Okay. Uh, again, another guy who, with unrequited love, I seem to, there seems to be sort of a general trend here of the weird guy who really wants to be with the pretty woman and it's just never going to happen. So that's happening in, in Cougar Town. That's happening in The Closer. That happened in Caroline in the City. It's like, I have crushes on all these people that are just never going to happen. Now, when you go to audition, and I've noticed this because I, I, I occasionally go to an audition and you know, I go quirky too. Cause you, right, sure. Do you uh, see a lot of guys that you go, I mean, do you guys have like a, oh. the, the, like the, not the weird, but like the guys who audition yeah. for the weird guys? We do you call guys have usual, like a club? It's the usual suspects. It's, okay. a, it's always, you go in the sermon, so it's like, oh yeah, him, there he is, there he is. Oh yeah, this one's yours. I know that I, I read the script. I can tell it's going there. You know, it's like, yeah, it's the same 12 people. So it's like a little bit of a camaraderie. <clears throat> yeah, oh yeah. And everybody gets along great and we talk about it and we know who's got kids and who's in school and who's doing Little League and whatnot. Who, who are some of those guys? Uh, you know, Brian Husky. Okay, I, Husky Brian I Husky, Husky, Husky audition with all the time. You know, I mean, like we play similar sort of offbeat characters his he tends to play slightly more intellectual right types than i do i play dumber guys than he does but we're in the same family you know jp manu i don't know if you've had him on another guy is always the same you know it's always the same it's funny you play a dumb guy that your 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 sats <laughs> were 15 20 and your ivy league educated not acting no he's ivy league engineer okay, right. even though i don't care you say you got your c or your c minus right. it doesn't make a difference the bottom line is it's still you know it's ivy league well, it's against kind, you know but, yeah but that's funny so now um now you're, you're now i saw you you do voiceovers i you know i wish i did i the only thing i've like i was on the middle for a long time as the voice of the pa system did you know those guys no and but it was more of like an they had sort of an on-camera audition so they were bringing an on-camera 
actors for this this character who was just going to be playing the voice of the the thing and so it wasn't set up the way uh conventional voiceover auditions are i've i audition occasionally for voiceover stuff but i never get anything i think my voice is as weird as my face is and it just i haven't found my niche yet um but for this it was sort of more of an on-camera audition even though they plan to use the voice and and i got it and it turned into like this this great job you know i did you know six or eight episodes of that thing now would you have to actually go on the set and do it or did no, you just I, go I, into still, the... I did it in a little booth in their okay. in their post-production facility that's just man that must be weird just you sit there and you're flipping around the tv because i mean first of all it's like anything i always crack up when i flip around the tv because i always see people who, who are who are guests i right. always crack I'm like oh you know and, and i'm like cool but it must be completely different when you flip around the tv and you see yourself a lot especially now because the clothes are all these i mean shows are played so many times yeah they really but do it they must run. be weird when you just hear your voice it but, must be like what the? the yeah and i can't imagine i've got a couple buddies who are really huge voiceover people and you know and it's like one one guy one buddy of mine's the voice of e and he does fox football and he does okay. and and so he's just on constantly and i just can't and he's got an amazing voice i mean there's a reason he's working as much as he is but um it is i mean it's got to be very strange sort of that just that uh just you know engaged yeah, voice that comes out of nowhere the so, weirdest thing i've had though is when i'm on a show and then a commercial I'm in plays during the that um, that happened one th- not with you but it that doesn't happen very often but, but that it. happened with an actor I was watching like the mentalist and he played a doctor and then the commercial went through and he played a doctor in a commercial <laughs> and I'm like wait a second that's yeah. a doctor that just killed people don't listen to that doctor I think it's usually an oversight I don't think they like it when that happens because yes. it's suddenly it's it's we- it's jarring for the viewer and it's not about the product and advertisers don't want that to happen so. Um, but it, stuff, so, you know, I mean, we all are, got our hands in so many different pots. Right. Stuff's going to sneak through the cracks. So Cougar Town, when that came about, was that a one-time shot to start? Or did yeah. you know? Oh, so that, because now it says you've been a third. Are you on this season? I'm a, in, in, yeah, this all And that just starts this week? It just, it just started last week. So tonight okay. is, and they're making a big deal because tonight is when Matthew Perry is right. going to guest with uh, the show. So that started as one episode for it you. It did, but I knew, I had high hopes that that was going to go because it was, you know, it's Bill Lawrence who did Scrubs right. and I loved him on Scrubs and he was uh, super nice to me and, and he likes bringing back people who he is fond of and who he likes working with. He's super loyal. He's one of those guys who turn, you know, he's like Judd Apatow. He's like uh, his sort of group of people that, that he likes working with. He doesn't like having jerks on. He won't tolerate assholes on set. Um, and so if you kind of get in his family, it, he's gonna he's gonna find work for you and so like when i came this was just gonna be the weird neighbor and i came on and i kind of meshed with people and and suddenly the more episodes started happening and stuff and then it turned into this kind of you know every episode thing which has been great well what was it like for you when it went from it was on abc abc and then it was yeah. then they got canceled and right they went to tbs was it was that like were you sitting there going you know when it got off ABC were you like it's done or were you sitting there going wow I mean it must have been weird no because have- Bill Bill was it, he was adamant that he was going to find a future life for the show and he you know out of his own pocket funded these sort of outreach things where he sent a bunch of the cast members to different cities to for these viewing parties and he really promoted the hell out of the show and he eventually got it sold to TBS okay. and that was really I think he was instrumental and um, and I think Courtney between he and Courtney they they made that transition happen and found another two, at least two seasons. We, we don't know the fate of it after this one that's airing. Well, it's um, one of those shows that I think, you know, it's, uh, you, you're not, I mean, you know, I'm not sure, you know, when you watch it, you go, well, I don't know how that's going to be. And then you're watching it. It's really funny. It's, it's a good show. I mean, when you sit there and sit down and watch it, you're like, oh, this is funny because yeah. you're just, it's just, it's dysfunction. But I, it's, it's totally fun dysfunction. It's, it's total dysfunction and it's, and it's 
basically the friends group if they were just 20 years older and drunk. Right. Um, they, Bill's the first to admit that the title probably killed it. Um, you know, it was it was one of the worst titles I think p- picked known to man. And they started with this cougar concept, and then after five episodes, they abandoned it. Now it's just sort of drunk friends together, and it's an ensemble. And it's fun, and I think it's funny. I think I think the writing is great, and um, and it's a sharp show. So now, quick draw is it uh, is it your first time being uh, western? Well, we did one season last year. We did eight episodes, and that was my, the first time I'd ever done a Western. And this is an improvised comedic Western. So it's it's kind of a weird format, but it's, I don't think there's anything like it uh, out there right now. And it's on Hulu. Not even, not even Hulu Plus. It's the Working Man's Hulu, um, you know. So, and we're going to start a second season in another week and do ten episodes. Now, how does that come about? The same way, I mean, how does it end up on Hulu? Do you know, what I mean, it's like it's you know, that's what's happening though. I think that a lot of a lot of other platforms, whether it's Netflix or Hulu, they're all the not only are they starting to carry their own content they're starting to produce their own content so they're you know you you can find shows that you've um enjoyed in the past that are now being carried on hulu or amazon prime or whatever but now they're actually making their own material and they've got the money to do it so when network passes and a network's not going to go for quick draw an improvised you know western with a bunch of unknowns but you know hulu might go hey you know what nobody's watching anything like that nobody's got anything like that that could be great for our brand and it might bring people to our site you know and so and that's what they did and it it's worked out pretty well for them no, yeah, so, oh, so, now, so you said we have a few minutes left. So now you, you ha- have the milk commercial where you're in a bikini. Yeah. Now, now, when you went to audition, did they say you're going to be in a bikini? Yeah, they made you, they, they had you stripped down to either boxers or, or whatever you were, you were wearing. Now, are you okay with the partial nudity? <laughs> you know, I'm better with it than I think the audience is. I think that's one of them. I think you, you deserve a treat after you've watched that. Is that the first time you've been topless in something or in your boxers? Because I'm sure it's in your pretty past close. You, okay, I, I, did, I think I did. Maybe I, I stripped down in ten items or something like that. But yeah, it's it's not it's nothing anybody really wants to see. But I'll do it. Hey, I mean, why I'm not? Like, you know, what am I going to do? Be, I, you can't. Hey, if they're saying, "Hey, do it," you're like, "Well, yeah." So, uh, what what else is coming up for you? I know uh, well, quick draw. You'll 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 shoot quick draw in a week. You said we'll, we'll shoot. We start quick draw in a week. That'll take that'll take probably six weeks to do, and then I'll go back and and that'll end about the time sort of. There's pilot season stuff that hopefully will you know something will come out of that, and then we'll find out if um, Cougar Town goes for a sixth season. So, the, the, so when do you know have an idea when the Hulu episodes will be coming up? They will probably be around uh, October, November of okay. this year. And now there's a season on, and there's a season now. You could cut, it's called Quick Draw. It's on Hulu. You can check it out. And there's uh, the episodes themselves, and then there's this whole section called Beneath the Saddle, where it's all the outtake stuff. Which I think with an improvised show, you're going to get real gold in the outtake stuff. And there's a ton of stuff to watch there. Yeah, you still get nervous with the improv. Yeah. Or are you? I'm nervous now because thinking you know we haven't done it for a year. Okay. Um, I've been taking horseback riding lessons to get because we got a cattle drive episode coming okay, up. Okay, so, so. The, last year you weren't on any horses. Huh? Last you, year I, I didn't ride a horse. The, have the you, rid, I have you ridden a horse before? It had been 20 years since I'd ridden a horse. So I went out to these stables in Burbank here and, and got some intensive lessons and um, I'm still hurting from it. Yeah, I, I, I it's went crazy. on a horse. Yeah, it's, I, you know, I went on a horse ages ago in Mexico and they're like they're like the sick horses like, <laughs> yeah. and, and Rosarito. <laughs> and like yeah. I remember the horse is going and it just stops and takes a pee. And I'm like going, I'm going yeah, great. But it, it hurts. Well, now I'm at the age where I just do the same thing that yeah. that <laughs> I'm the same. Yeah, same. So, uh, so uh, any you now? What do you want to do? You, do, you, do you love doing comedy? Do you want to do some more I do, drama? I feel like comedy is kind of the niche that I've fallen into the last flight. Like you said, there was a lot of flip flopping going back in the early parts of my career where I was doing a lot more um, drama stuff, and now I think I've sort of it seems to be more exclusively comedy I wish that that weren't the case I'd love to be doing more drama stuff I think that a lot of casting people have sort of put me in that uh, shoebox so it's up to me and my 
you know, whoever is helping me to, to kind of bust out of that. Do you do any stage anymore? Do you ever? It's been, it's been five years. I did a play down at the old globe. Uh, I went back to Pennsylvania, did a play there a couple of years ago, but it's been a long time. It's hard. I mean, so you got to carve out a lot of time to do it and, and it, you, you're really devoting your time to it. So, um, I haven't been able to, I'd like to, I miss it, but, uh, but it just hasn't happened yet. Well, good. Well, hopefully, you know, hopefully, I, I got to check out Quick Draw now. But I want to thank you for coming on. How can people get in touch with you? I'll give your website and your Twitter and all uh, that stuff. Uh, like I said, robertclendenon.com, R-O-B-E-R-T-C-L-E-N-D-E-N.com, or you can follow me at, uh, at Bob Clendenin, uh, or just call me at home. Call me at home. Well, I thank you for coming on. When I post the episode, should I put Bob or Robert? Well, uh, why don't you put Bob? Because I think this is much more friendly and familiar. Then I will put Bob. And I want to thank you. People, check him out. Check out Hulu. Uh, follow me at Twitter, people, at Cooper Talk. Also, if you have an Android, that phone, you know, the Galaxy, go to the Google Play Store and type in one word, Cooper Talk, and download the Cooper Talk app. And if you have an iPhone, type in, go into your computer or on your phone and write coopertalk.podbean.com forward slash mobile forward slash get the iTunes app. Also, go to coopertalk.net. I have about, I have 220 episodes up there. Check it out. And if you go to iTunes or Stitcher, but never, no one ever listens to me on Stitcher, type in one word. Cooper Talk, especially on iTunes, one word Cooper Talk, and you can find all the episodes there. Also, I don't have any comedy shows coming up. Uh, not till the end of January. I'll be doing some stuff with uh, the very, very funny Rich Scheider. Listen next week where my guests are uh, the very funny Mo Collins and also Timothy Stack. So I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Remember, drink your water, eat your vegetables, and take your vitamins. Have a great weekend. <laughs>